Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jamie Creel with Shelter Insurance. Come see how we've built a name that you can trust and why it is a must to get your free quote today with our Switch and Save. Located in Ridgeland and Florida, Mississippi, give us a call, 601-992-6000. Howdy, howdy. It's Rhino here, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. everyone and welcome to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. I'm your host Gerard Gibbert along with Rhino in the Element Well Studio guiding you through the middle of your day with facts, fodder, and fine music on this hump day. Well, I'm watching all the red on the screen that has uh, painted the NASDAQ this morning. Big Tech. Microsoft, Apple, Meta, Amazon, Alphabet, all down significantly this morning. And I can only conclude that it's because they've had a pretty strong run the last several weeks, and it's kind of a put-up-or-shut-up sort of deal. But what perplexes me is that Microsoft came in with a fantastic report yesterday. They announced earnings, as did Google, yet it is selling off today. And so the uh, the company had a blowout quarter, producing about $62 billion of revenue and generating a significant amount of, of uh, profit as well in the quarter. See, I want to make sure I get the right. Yeah, $21.9 billion of net income. So revenues are up over a year ago. Profit surged over a year ago, strong growth across all the business segments, but they warned, get this, they warned that we're investing heavily in artificial intelligence, both in the categories of software development, software tools to create artificial intelligence, to to uh, build these large language models which serve as input and train the AI tools, and their Azure data center facilities. We've been talking about data centers a lot on the program because of the announcement that Amazon Web Services, a, a key competitor to Microsoft in that market, you'd have to say. In fact, it's just it is the truth that both of these companies are leaders in cloud computing. And if you look at the percentage of the total cloud computing market. They own, it's it's north of 50%. It's significant. But Microsoft says it's going to cost us a lot of money to build out these facilities and create the various tools and obtain all of the data necessary to really uh, continue to fuel and power the growth in artificial intelligence. And so, the, you know, the 
stock market is essentially a uh, a view of the future. It is, is, it is a discounted mechanism, financial mechanism of what the future holds for companies. And so they're just concerned that their forecasted operating expenses is going to cause problems for them in the future. But look, here's the reality. The big institutional investors, they look for any nugget that they can find to drive these equity prices in one direction or another. And so right now, these uh, these big tech companies are trading at very high multiples, and they're seeking to pull that back. And then, of course, they'll jump in and they'll drive it up. And that's kind of the way the market works. So trying to outguess or outdo or outmaneuver those guys usually doesn't work out too well because they got a whole lot more money to move the markets than we individual retail investors do, which is why it's a good idea. If you're going to make any significant investment, if you've got a nest egg, let somebody else deal with that that has the tools to allocate your your cash, honestly, your assets, and manage them for you. That's what the folks at Element Wealth do, for an example, that sponsors uh, our studio here. So just want to share that because they beat the top and and the bottom lines in their announcement after the market closed yesterday, yet the stock's dropping today. And that's dragging all the others down. So you would think that there would be some degree of optimism and and uh, positive views of the company, which would pull more money into it from investors. But they're looking at the future, and that's what, the again, the market is essentially a reflection of that. Not today, but the future. And so the guidance is honestly more critical than that. That's just what the company's outlook is for the future. That's more important and has a, a greater influence on equities than does the past. The past was great, no denying. Unbelievable quarter for the company. I think a record quarter, if I'm not mistaken. But they said, yeah, we just want you to know in the future, we're all into this AI stuff. We see tremendous opportunity there, but it's going to cost us more than we thought to play at the level we intend to play at. That's what's going on. We got Gates McGavick. He is a spokesperson for the RNC and Election Integrity Communication Director. He's coming on at 1035 to discuss an election integrity lawsuit. And this deals with the days after which elections are held that mail-in ballots are considered. Uh, The rules are different by state. I think in the state of Mississippi, your ballot, if it's a mail-in ballot, must be postmarked by election day and then five days subsequent to election day. If those ballots are received during that period, they are counted and considered. After that, they are not. But there are some states that extend that out for longer periods of time, and of course, that opens up the door for for all sorts of irregularities in elections and voting fraud and miscounting and just all kinds of other problems that could result from allowing ballots to be considered for a long period of time. I think I've seen some states up to 10 days, if I'm not mistaken. And I want to say, Rhino, there's some states that will actually consider a ballot, even if it's 
postmarked after Election Day within some time period. I could be wrong about that. We may have to research that. I bet you Mr. McGavick knows the answer to that, though, and we'll ask him. But it, the point is it varies from state to state. And uh, the longer that time period is after Election Day for allowing ballots to be, mail-in ballots to be considered and counted, that just opens the door up to more fraud. That's the bottom line. And so that's a concern. And then we've got Congressman Michael Guest at 12.05. He'll call in from Washington. The big deal going on in Washington right now, certainly on the House side, that would be the impeachment of Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas. So the committee already has, I believe, passed. Yeah, they've already moved to impeach Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. It's a GOP-led House Homeland Security Committee. And it was a vote, as to be expected, along party lines. Guess who the ranking member is of that committee? That would be Mississippi Representative Benny Thompson. And his comment after the articles passed through committee, so that means now they're going to the floor. They will be voted on by the full House. We'll get Congressman Guest's uh, input on that, what he thinks is going to happen there. And, of course, it would have to be transferred over to the Senate, taken up there. We'll see what happens. I'm not sure. We'll see what the congressman says about whether or not the votes exist in the House of Representatives to impeach Secretary Mayorkas. Representative Benny Thompson of Mississippi said, quote, no serious person believes that Mayorkas has committed an impeachable offense. Well, no serious person believes that every time Mayorkas says the border is closed and secure, that that is uh, rooted in fact. <laughs> no serious person that has eyes in their head and who can see has witnessed, has observed countless reports Video, still images, all showing just how wide dang open the border is. It's amazing that the congressman from Mississippi would make such a statement. No serious person? It's not all that amazing. It's about par for the course for him. I expect too much, I guess. That's sad. And like I said... No, any clear-thinking, clear-eyed, rational, logical person can see empirically that the border is anything but secure. And every time Secretary Mayorkas is on the Hill talking about it, that's pretty much what he says. Border secure! It's the captain of the Titanic, right, saying, all is well. That's kind of what it reminds me of. Wow. So we'll get uh, Congressman Guest's take on those proceedings and see where that's likely to to go there in the House of Representatives and beyond. We're stepping aside for a break here. We're in the Element Well studio, just getting started. Coming right back. Hey, this is Gerard Gibbert. He keeps his classified documents right where they belong. Inside a Journey record jacket from the 1980s. Gerard Gibbert, Super Talk, Mississippi. 
That had to be in the early 70s. The Temptations, of course, the artist. So Rhino did a little research for us on the rules around mail-in ballots. I just reviewed, he sent me a, a list of every state and what their laws say. State of Mississippi, again, as we indicated, if your ballot is postmarked on or before Election Day, it will be counted as long as it is received within five days of Election Day. What I was surprised to see is that the critical swing states, I looked at Georgia, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Michigan, and Arizona. Um, All of those require that mail-in ballots be received at some time on Election Day. 7 p.m., 8 p.m. The one that uh, I think is the most restrictive is Alabama by noon on Election Day. Uh, There's one in here where to go that, yeah, Connecticut. Okay. Must be received by close of polls on Election Day if mailed or... It can be hand-delivered, but if it's hand-delivered, it must be received the day before an election if delivered by the voter, or by the close of polls on election day if delivered by a designated agent. <laughs> can they make it any more complicated? Why is it stricter for the actual voter than an agent? I agree. I guess they figured... I think it should be flipped. I agree. Maybe they think, well, it takes them more time because they're, they're dealing with other people. I don't know. That seems kind of crazy. Uh, and then, what was it, Illinois, you said, 14 days? Oh, yeah. Must be received within 14 days of the election, if <laughs> postmarked on or before Election Day. But but the correction to what I said earlier is there are no states that allow them to be postmarked after Election Day. So I apologize for that. I don't know why I thought that was the case. Um, none of them allow that. Have the to closest be- I can find is Kansas, where it, it must be received within three days of the election, if postmarked, quote, before the close of polls on Election Day. Okay. So you yeah. can get it postmarked right up until the close of polls. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's just amazing the the uh, the difference in the states. Which, that's fine. You know, each state, in my view, should be able to organize and regulate elections as they see fit. That's the problem with H.R. 1, the Democrat dream vis-a-vis election management. They want to federalize it. And rather than every state having these different set of rules around, in this case, mail-in ballots, what the Democrats want is to pass a bill at the federal level that would dictate election rules in all 50 states. The states would not essentially operate their own election process. That would be dictated by federal law. 
and no telling what that would look like. I haven't read H.R. 1 in detail. And it was H.R. 1, uh, honestly, as long as the Democrats were in control of the House during the first two years of the Biden administration. They uh, usually assign the number one or a, a, a very low number to, to indicate the priority for the Democrats, the priority in those first two years before the midterms, was federalizing elections. For obvious reasons, they believe that that would confer to them permanent control of government in Washington by federalizing elections. They felt like they would have a distinct advantage under those rules that uh, were included in H.R. 1. But, of course, the House flipped at midterm, and then, as I recall, the Republicans created an H.R. 2, which is border control, border control legislation. They felt like that securing the border was the top priority. Of course, they've got to deal with a Senate that is still controlled by Democrats, and, of course, a Democrat in the White House. Speaking of which, the president, if you guys hadn't heard, is running around telling the country that, quote, I've done all I can do with executive authority to secure the border. So he's basically at least suggesting that, yeah, uh, I support greater border security, but I can't do it. It's the Republicans. They won't give me any money. I don't have any authority. Uh, There's no legal basis for me acting. But that is absolutely empirically false, by the way. There are at least four different statutes that do Well, how do you have the power – how is it possible to not have the power to do something if you had the power to undo that same thing? And that question is being asked by Republicans, including the Speaker of the House. Mike Johnson has posed that question to the Biden administration. Wait, uh, again, before they took the teleprompters down there on the steps of the Capitol – during the, used during the inauguration, you were back in the Oval Office signing laws immediately. Executive orders, I should say, not laws. Uh, immediately reversing all the Trump-era immigration policies. You just didn't want there to be any remaining evidence or anything Trump had done, which was a political move. I believe the phrase that was used was to remove the stain. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I just want the folks to know... Uh, there is a presidential authority to restrict entry. These are statutes, by the way. Expedited removal, discretionary defamation, uh, de- pardon me, <laughs> detention authority, and mandatory detention. So there are code sections right now in U.S. statutes that empower the president of the United States to act. In fact, they can do it in accordance with our laws, can the president unilaterally, without the Congress, just as they, as you just pointed out, just as they reversed those uh, statutes or orders, I should say, put into place by President Trump. The statutes 
empower the president to act on the border. We have that. You don't need any more laws, Joe Biden. You don't need any money. Let's go. Get on it. Chop, chop. But no, because you were so bent on removing any evidence of your predecessor in government, in federal government, you had to go reverse the Trump era, using, by the way, the stroke of the pen executive authority to do so. But now you're saying you can't put those back in place? You're either misinformed or lying. I would lean towards lying because he believes he can forgive student loans with the stroke of a pen. That's true. And when pushed on it, didn't really care about the courts, just, we'll, we'll let the courts figure it out. And then when the courts did figure it out, still tried to do an end around. He essentially defied it. He, he disregarded it. He defied it. He disobeyed a, a court order, essentially. I mean, court findings, court rulings. So claiming that he can't do anything is just a bald-faced lie. It is, and, it, and, and this is, I guess, to be expected, but it's disturbing. But you may have seen uh, clips of a reporter asking him, hey, what do you think about the border not being secure? And a lot of people are starting to speak up about that. Oh, well, I can't do anything. I don't have any power, and I don't have any money. And that's just not true. It's just a, it's just false. Uh, border wall. This is what Trump had in place before he left office: border wall construction, asylum cooperative agreements, remain in Mexico policy, Title Forty Two, prompt asylum case review. Not this six, seven, ten year crap we're seeing today. And one of the reasons we could execute asylum reviews on a rather short time frame, is because we didn't have this mountain of people, this mass of people, not only crossing into the country, but crossing in through points other than those ports of entry, which is where it's supposed to occur for your asylum review. So this, this is just wrong, and it's, uh, it's disingenuous, it's duplicitous, it's deceptive, but... I'm quite sure there are those, probably people who listen to this program, who are big supporters of the president, that believe that what he's saying there is 100% accurate. And it's just not. It's just not. So I'm proud to see that Republicans in the House, at least, are calling his bluff on this, especially the Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. He's pointed out the statutory authority that the president has in this country to act. We're coming right back with Gates McGavick, spokesman for the RNC. Stories that matter most to Mississippians. Gerard Gibbert, Middays with Gerard, Super Talk, Mississippi. We're back in the Element Well Studio. 
So I believe we're trying to get in touch with our guest. So just looking back at the market, uh, still the big tech stocks trending downward. Apple down, Microsoft down, Meta down, Amazon down. Wow. It's uh, it's a sell-off today. And uh, not really sure why, other than uh, they just got a little too frothy, maybe, for some investors. When you look at the multiples, 40 times earnings from Microsoft, I think, is... What the company was trading for, that's that's on out there. Remember, again, the stock market is uh, essentially a, a discounting mechanism. Takes into consideration all the present potential future events. So it's really looking out more than it is looking at just current day because Microsoft had a blowout quarter, best in their history, fiscal year twenty. Uh, 24, Q2 for them, for the company. Blew past expectations on the growth in their cloud business, their Azure cloud business unit. Wow, $21.9 billion of profit in the quarter. So they're on a run rate there of about $85 billion. Apple's still, of course, the world's most valuable and profitable company, and they kind of vacillate back and forth with Microsoft at the $3 trillion market cap level. Apple, it's just amazing, about $450 billion of annual revenue and throwing off $115 billion of net income. That's incredible. Amazon is about $500 billion of annual revenue, I think the most of any company domestically. And they uh, they last year generated right at $12 billion, $12 billion. Apple made 10 times more than Amazon did, $12 billion, even though um, Amazon had higher sales. And the vast majority, actually last year, all of their profit, Amazon was produced by Amazon Web Services. That's important, of course, to those of us in Mississippi. The cloud business unit made about $20 billion last year on sales of about $82 billion. And the e-commerce business, the fulfillment business, lost $8 billion. It is in the black this year. The e-commerce business is producing net income. I think this is the second year in the company's history. That has occurred, but clearly the the crown jewel of the company is their cloud services business, Amazon Web Services, coming to Mississippi. I did catch, Rhino, a couple of announcements and reports in, in publications outside of the state of Mississippi concerning the big AWS $10 billion investment slated for Madison County, Mississippi, to fund two campuses of data centers. So that's kind of cool. Something else I noticed with respect to the state of Mississippi, we were just discussing this with Representatives Price Wallace and Fred Shanks yesterday, and that's the Mississippi Initiative Process Amendment. That's been picked up by Ballotpedia. Ballotpedia is an interesting resource that, that tracks ballot activity, um, ballot measure activity of, across the the country. It's also just a resource for election information as well. 
but uh, they just published yesterday a piece on the initiative process in Mississippi, and it has some great background on what happened in 2021, where the Supreme Court essentially ruled that the constitutional amendment that uh, provides for a citizen ballot initiative was invalid. And they go through great detail, a discussion about that, and then they discuss the actual measure itself that's been filed, passed the House, as you know, and now being considered by the Senate. 80 to 39 was the vote tally. That was just last week, January the 24th. 80 to 39 in the House, of which there were, let's see here, one Republican nay, 78 yeas, one Democrat yay, 38 noes, pretty much passed on, and one independent yes, by the way, passed on party lines, but got picked up by Ballotpedia. So did the big Amazon announcement. I don't think we've seen the end of that. We're going to see more announcements concerning the AWS project coming to Mississippi and other media sources as well. So that's kind of cool. It's pretty neat. We've got um, a border deal, of course, being debated mainly in the Senate, U.S. Senate, and uh, a lot of Republicans are lashing out, feeling like that it is not a good deal. It's kind of hard to wrap your head around, honestly, because there's this 5,000 immigrant threshold. By the way, the main author of this this bill, Senator James Lankford from Oklahoma, I saw an interview with him over the weekend and saw some counterpoints from uh, other senators as well who aren't happy with the measure, and the House certainly is not happy with it. It's just, why don't we just shut the border down? I guess that's what most people are asking. I'm with them. What's what's wrong with just shutting the border down? Why do we have to have all this stuff about triggers, and once we hit to this point, then we take more action? I mean, what's that all about? And, and by the way, this H.R. 2 that I discussed earlier, which is a comprehensive bill to secure the border, that has passed the House, by the way. Now, it's got no chance in the Senate. Because fundamentally, they don't want to shut the border down. That's just the truth. They just need to tell the truth. No, we really don't want to shut it down. It's the same with Mayorkas and why he's facing potential impeachment proceedings. Because he's just been lying about it. And anybody with two eyes and a brain can see that you're not telling the truth there, Mr. Secretary. So I don't really think for one minute that the secretary is interested in closing the border, and he's getting instructions from his boss, the president, let's be honest. Who then turns around and lies to the people and says he has no power over the border. It's the same as the president. You're talking about the president, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly, which is just categorically false. That is not true. And, in fact, the uh, the authorities that we cited earlier on the program, Speaker of the House Mike Johnson has also Gone to social media. I just looked it up. He said the same thing. No, there are four. <laughs> there are four authorities right now, Mr. President, that you could invoke, that you could rely on to shut the dang border down. But you fundamentally don't want to. 
Of course, do you think the guy's got a clue or people just tell him, hey, Mr. President, you can't shut it down? Do you think he remembers signing these executive orders back in 2021, the first day he took office, reversing the Trump-era border policies? I'm thinking he does. Highly unlikely. That's, that's scary. So the Senate bill, by the way, has no Title 42, has no wall. It's just got these crazy thresholds. Well, once we get to 5,000, then we'll go ahead and shut the border down. Or some nonsense like that that the average person can't even follow, honestly. I'm, I'm disappointed in, in Senator Langford. He's not like that, typically. So, you know, Biden immediately, as part of those executive orders in 21, he ordered immigration services, ICE, to stop the worksite enforcement. I mean, you can't just show up on a worksite and require an employer to to uh, provide evidence that your workers are here legally, have work visas, etc. He just said, no, we're not doing that anymore. It means there's no interest. And you may have seen that... Uh, a situation, an incident that occurred, I believe, in New York City with some illegals attacking police officers? Unbelievable. I heard the, the mayor of Denver say every hotel in Denver is occupied, mainly because that's where they're housing the illegals. And he's not coming out. He's a Democrat. He's not saying, hey, Mr. President, close the border. Oh, no. Give us more money, Mr. President, so we can accommodate the illegal population that has inundated our state. It's just unbelievable. Guys, just stop it at the core, at the root. Isn't that what old Kamala Harris talks about? Root cause. Like she knows what the heck that even is. I mean, just stop it already. That's all you got to do. Unbelievable. This, I believe, is going to lose, I hope, Biden the election and win it for Donald Trump. I really do. This issue right here is starting to gain support and concern from folks on both sides of the aisle. We're coming right back in the Element Well studio. Days with Gerard. Good for America. Good for fans of justice and truth. Good for us. Super Talk Mississippi. This is what we stand for. We're back in the Element Well studio. Looks like we got tomorrow some tickets to give away, right? Starting tomorrow. Don't forget, we have a presidential primary page at supertalk.fm slash elections. Really good information there to keep up with what's going on in the presidential elections. We are definitely in the throes of the election now. Yesterday, after the program, the Mississippi legislature has advanced a bill which would legalize online sports betting. It passed out of committee in the House, and it will now be taken up by the full House. It would legalize mobile sports betting 
in the state right now, of course, that's available, but you have to be on a casino property. It's geofenced. Uh, This would geofence it to the boundaries, within the boundaries of the state. Which means if this makes it through and passes and the governor signs it into law, then all those Caesars Palace commercials toting their app would suddenly be relevant to Mississippi viewers. Correct. Right. Because you can download the app in Mississippi, but as of right now, it doesn't do anything. Not unless you're on the property there. Within the boundaries that they have it geofenced. Yeah, exactly. So those who would provide the platforms would have to do it through the gaming companies, is my understanding. It's kind of the way this thing is structured. Yeah. Um, you'd have to license it through existing licensed gaming gambling establishments. So I I think it's um I think it's been a matter of time. I mean, you know this has been coming. There there are reports that folks cross over into our neighboring states of Tennessee and I think maybe Arkansas. Uh, well, it's either Arkansas or Louisiana. I know Tennessee is one, but I've heard reports that folks that are within driving distance of the border there cross over to place their online sports bets because it's legal in those states. It kind of reminds me of the pre-lottery days when folks would travel into Louisiana to buy lottery tickets. I mean, that was pretty popular here in central Mississippi. They just get on uh, I-20 and cross into Louisiana, and there was a convenience store, as I recall, in Tallulah, not too far across the border, that would attract lots of Mississippians to purchase lottery tickets, especially Louisiana, when, Arkansas, and Tennessee. Okay, there all you have go. online betting. Okay, sports betting. So you know that we are experiencing what they call in that industry leakage, meaning our our citizens are crossing over, just driving over the border, and boom, there's the app, and it works. So this would generate revenue as well. It would be taxed, not. Obviously, the reason it has to flow through the the gaming establishments because they're subject to a gaming tax right now in the state of Mississippi. So this is a this is a good thing, I think, and I, I hope that the legislature sees fit to approve this legislation, approve this measure, and push it on up to the governor. See what happens there. By the way, if you want to. Get you a high-paying job, become a manager at Walmart. Wow, you've seen this? It can earn up to four hundred thousand bucks if you manage one of the super centers. Up to up to being that's the, right. The key part of that. That's right. Um, average you salary be in one of the the top stores to hit that mark. The super center because it's based on bonuses. You could double your base pay of one hundred twenty-eight k. It's the base oh, yeah. pay, and then you could it double that, and then you're. You uh, also become eligible for stock grants. That's different than stock options. That's just I'm going to give you some stock. That's what a stock grant is. By the way, that is taxable. I ran into that some in the old business days when we would provide stock grants based on certain hitting certain targets to our employees. Problem is they got to pay taxes on it, and we would actually also uh, pay them some cash money to cover the taxes. Because they'd say, hey, don't give me that, Gerard. Because the only way you could pay for it is if you sold it. I shouldn't say the only way, but in general, you're getting a non-cash compensation. But you've got to pay taxes on it, even though you didn't receive any cash. 
So, and some companies will just cover the taxes, essentially. And you got to consider the taxes on the amount you're paying them to cover the taxes on the non-cash compensation. It's all screwed up, bottom line. It's what it is. Almost like tax policy is a nightmare and should be simplified. <laughs> uh, you, you shared yesterday your experience with the new IRS free tax computation tool, right? Yeah, basically, if you could already easy file, which was pretty easy already, you can use it. If not, oh, well. <laughs> oh, wow. So... Uh, and we got some other stuff going on with a member of the squad. Imagine that. Turns out she may be abusing campaign finance law. How about that? And he's also just a brazen hypocrite for what she was using it for. That would be Representative Cory Bush represents the St. Louis uh, Missouri area. We're stepping aside for Fox News and Super Talk News. We're at the top of the hour, coming right back with another hour or two hours, actually, of middays. 12.05, Michael Guest. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. It is Middays. We are live in the Element Well studio on this. Hump day. So we've rescheduled our guest, Gates McGavick, spokesman for the RNC and Election Integrity Communications Director. We've rescheduled that and uh, look forward to having that conversation with Mr. McGavick at a later date. But at 12.05 today, it's Congressman Michael Guest. He is in Washington. In fact, I'm looking at uh, video right now, live feed from Capitol Hill. The big tech CEOs are up there, Rhino, testifying uh, they're getting grilled by the Senate, honestly, about their tools' impact on the youth in this country. You know, I got mixed feelings about this, and, I, and I'll share with you what I mean by that. If truly these tools are harming children, and, the, and it's deliberate, and in some cases there, there is inappropriate content that reaches them, that targets them, causes problems. There needs to be maybe some reasonable kind of reeling in of that. The concern I have is almost like anything the dang government sticks their nose in, they go overboard, and then they hinder innovation or they impede benefits and value derived from this technology or any technology. That's always the concern because, A, they don't know a whole lot about it, and they're, you know this, they're influenced by lobbyists to a great extent, or staffers. Um, and then they sort of just kind of sign off on it and just kind of wipe their hands and say, done with that. No, you're not. It's constant, as in round the clock. That's how dynamic is technology. I mean, just look at vapes. 
They yeah. went hard after Jewel. You can't have those jewels. They can't be flavored. Look what it's doing to the kids. So Jewel is pretty much out of business. Did that stop every other manufacturer from providing fruity flavored vapes? No. No. And we even, uh, I think, mentioned on the air this week that there's a state, I can't remember which one off the top of my head, I just saw it in passing, is considering legislation that would prohibit the use of social media by anyone within the state under the age of 16. In Florida, I think. Is it Florida? I think so. Okay. You may be right. I think there's a Republican or a group of Republicans in the Florida legislature. I think you're right, now that I think about it, that's proposing this, right? I think DeSantis is even championing it. Man, I don't know about that. I really don't. Well, I mean, for the majority, at least what I'm aware of, social media, which includes sites like video sites like YouTube or Twitch, which is a streaming site, the terms of service say you have to be 13 or older to use the service. Okay. But, of course, you know it's not hard to circumvent that. I don't know. But at that I point, got, is it not up to the parents? Oh, that's and that's the point. That's where I am on this, especially for 16-year-olds. I don't know. That's a, It's a tough one. I, I kind of get the idea and the rationale. I'm just concerned about it. Overreach. Always concerned about that. I mean, YouTube, vol- not voluntarily, they've kind of got forced to, but they've delineated YouTube and YouTube kids. Yeah. Where YouTube has ads. It can have a mini player where you can multitask. YouTube kids doesn't allow ads, or if, if they are, I think they have to be for educational services. Okay. And they don't have they don't allow the mini player in the app. So you, you can't flood the brain with multitasking while watching something. Okay. I will say that I, I did hear live Mr. Zuckerberg's testimony to the Senate. I, I just have to tell you, I was shocked to find out just how many controls and tools and options are available to parents to administer their platform used by their kids. I was I was surprised. I mean, even notifications to the parents, if you're accessing something that the tool thinks is inappropriate for a kid, that's an example. But he spent about 10 minutes of me listening to it just discussing the litany of technology that they have embedded in their platform, it was amazing. I, of course, I don't have young kids, so I, I've never explored it. I've never even taken any time to see what's available. And it could be that a lot of parents don't know what's available. It's not, it's not readily evident just from use of the tool, I would say. But I was shocked. It's like, man, what more do you want? Now, here's the problem, as you know, where are the dang parents? And we got lots of kids that don't really have I'm sad to say, responsible parents. Heck, I think the statistic in Mississippi, 45% of the kids in our state, highest in the nation, live in fatherless homes. So, uh, but I was I was pleasantly surprised at the work they have done. And um, information sharing, too. Uh, there are... Uh, tools that they use and systems they use, the, the big social media companies, and really other operators of the Internet. 
Google, for example. It's truly not social media, but you can see how just the search tool itself could be a problem in, in, with children in some cases. But that's an example. But uh, the, all of these companies are apparently they're cooperating and they're sharing and they're working together just to make the Internet safer for children. I didn't hear anything nefarious. Now, what the Senate's saying is, you're just trying to get to these kids so you can sell them stuff, or, or actually, you're selling adver- uh, advertising to people who are trying to sell them stuff. Facebook's not selling them anything, but their customers, who are advertisers, who pay to advertise on their platform. I remember so distinctly a few years ago when the Facebook CEO met at Facebook at the time, was on the Hill, and a senator asked him, how do you make money? And you could tell he was trying to hold back the smile and the shock being displayed and expressed on his face from, you mean you don't understand how we actually make money at this? We sell. And he said, uh, Senator, we sell advertising. It's <laughs> exactly how he answered it. Like, how could you be that clueless? You're on this committee and you're asking questions? You're not just some random person here. You didn't get a little bit better briefing than that? But you're going to make laws to regulate my industry? Are you kidding me? That's what I have a problem with. And it's not like we don't have history to look back on. How many people listening right now can think back to fond memories of Saturday morning cartoons? Yeah. Plopping down in front of the TV on a Saturday morning for really the only time in the week where the TV was requisitioned for kids programming. Yeah. What do you think did away with that? That would be federal overreach. The FCC saying, you can't do that. Yeah. you got to have more education in there. I remember that. And, I, and look, I'll admit, as a child, when I when I watched, I, I looked forward, like we did in those days, to you know getting up early in the morning and watching the cartoons. And man, when color TV finally came out, when I was eight or nine years old, and we actually got one in my household, that was amazing to see those cartoons in color. But I'll admit that the toy makers bought most of the airtime from an advertising perspective, and I'd see stuff, and I'd go tell my parents, I want that. I mean, that was the idea, right? You can't help that. It's just natural. And, of course, that's their audience. They know who the audience is watching the cartoons. It's kids that are going to go to their parents and say, please go buy me this. Of course, 99.9% of the time, the answer was no. (laughs) Uh, We didn't have any money. But... Uh, so I don't know uh, it, if this is overreach. Now, they did uh, really Well, grill. it was more to the point of they don't know enough about it to make an That's informed true. decision. That's my concern. They just want to put a stamp on it and go, look, I did something. That's I don't absolutely. care about any unintended consequences. I did something. Vote for me. I totally agree. Look at me. I'm protecting your kids. I'm standing in the gap protecting them against those mean-o social media CEOs. They did... Grill the TikTok CEO as well. That's not the first time, as you know. There are still lots of concerns, and there are lots of members of Congress, as you know, Rhino, that want to completely ban the tool and its use in this country. There are some states, right, that have already uh, adopted rules. I think they've only been able to ban it on state State property property, assets, right? State digital assets, yeah. 
I mean, they, they can't on your person, right. I guess, unless it's some sort of condition of employment because of whatever your work role, your job is. I can see that. You're, you're a person that, I don't know, carries around and communicates sensitive information, thus we don't want you to have tic-tac on your machine. But, yeah, I mean, I guess that's legitimate because we all know that's essentially being controlled by the CCP, and that's where your data is. I do think they are collecting lots of data about Americans that they potentially could use in a a nefarious way. Yeah, sure. I mean, they're looking for any edge they can, any information, any asset they can acquire to hurt this country. I don't think there's any question about that. We're coming right back with more in the Element Well studio. Congressman Michael Guest at 12.05 today. That keeps Mississippi talking. We're rolling. Hit it. Go. Play it. Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi. I want to be famous. Star the screen. But you can do something in between. Maybe you can drive my car. Yes, I'm going to be a star. Welcome back, everyone. You are tuned in to Middays on Super Talk Mississippi from the Element Well Studio on the ceasefire tax line. No serious person can believe that reports of the United Nations using American taxpayer money to fund transit to the U.S. border can be good. Likewise, that taxpayer money and alleged military assets are being used for illegal alien transit on this side of the border can be good. Let's see. Karen in Oxford said there are also barcodes on the mailing envelopes that can tell whether that voter is registered Democrat or Republican before it gets to the counting stations. Don't believe that's correct, Karen. Take a look at that again. Recent Clarksdale says new voter laws can allow Cheetocrats to become kleptocrats. What was that word that Joe Biden got stuck on? Klepto something? Remember that? He about 14 times. I don't know. It's, it was the klepto something he was trying to say. Kleptocracy, maybe? Yeah. Seems like that was the word. Crosby Simmons uh, said, it's a really nice note here, Rhino. I'll read it. Mr. G, I just wanted to say what a blessing it is to have you in Mississippi. Rhino, thank you for producing one of the finest programs on radio. I've lived all over the South, and you two outshined them all. God bless you both. Man, that's that's amazing. Thank you, Crosby. Really, really appreciate the positive feedback. And uh, it is our pleasure, and we thank you for being a, a loyal member of our audience, for sure. That's what makes it, that's what makes it work. It's what makes it fun. Donald in Oxford said, I asked this yesterday and missed your answer. Did you see a possible scenario that neither Trump nor Biden end up on the ballot? Well, sure, I guess, Donald, anything can happen between now and the conventions when uh, that final determination is made, when each party will uh, vote on their nominee and essentially sanction them as the person who will be on the ballot in the general election. But at this point, no, I think it's highly unlikely that we don't see an election that features Joe Biden and Donald Trump. As of today, anything can happen, of course. I just don't think it's likely that there's a change in that situation. You're you're kind of 
I think it's more likely that you see a Biden and non-Harris ticket okay. than not seeing Biden versus Trump. Okay. Because we don't know Trump's VP pick at this point. We don't. But I would say the odds, and this is it's still slim to none, but the likelihood of Biden picking a new VP is greater than the likelihood of it not being Trump versus Biden. Yeah. Gene and Mendenhall says, I hear the news saying that other states are helping with Texas governor's border control problem, but haven't heard that Mississippi's involved. The governor of the state of Mississippi, Tate Reeves, did join 25, I believe, other governors in signing a very strong resolution. I think a couple of states have also, Oklahoma being one, have also provided National Guard troops, but honestly, it doesn't seem to be helping. I don't see any any change in uh, the the large swath of immigrants illegally crossing over our border, including crossing into the country other than through the ports of entry. Now, Rhino shared with me yesterday a video that was fascinating. At the same time, it was uh, alarming. And I hope I do this right. You can jump in. It, it was... Uh, a cartel member that was uh, capturing video still images of those immigrants whom he uh, escorted across the border to to uh, uh, conceal his identity, had a mask on, right? You'd only see his eyes, had a hat on. You, you really couldn't tell who the person was if, if somebody knew them. But was um, capturing images of the illegals essentially moving through into this country as a form of um, authorization for payment, proof of payment, if you will. Proof I, of delivery. Yeah. Uh, P.O.D. Uh, same thing we have in I'm sure someone would business. consider it crass to make this and out, make this comparison, but it, it's a human trafficker basically doing what a DoorDash driver does. Yeah, exactly. you got to take a picture of the delivery to prove you delivered it. Yeah. So they were just proving that they fulfilled their responsibility, thus you got to pay me. Now, and the person on the American side of the border filming this is filming the cartel member, and the cartel member, once he takes the picture, is just shrugs and salutes and walks away. Yeah, I've done my duty, so to speak. Now, I, I don't really know the flow of, of funds through the process. My guess is that that's fairly sophisticated, honestly, where it comes from how it gets accounted for, and then how it ultimately gets distributed, including to this individual that I'm sure gets compensated for their services, which are to escort and deliver these illegals into this country. Now, clearly, that wasn't a port of entry they were going through. No, it was a hole in a fence. So so that's the answer, Gene, is that the, the governor of Mississippi has signed that resolution uh, I mean, honestly, guys, are, your hands are tied. I appreciate what Governor Abbott's doing, and you've you've got this conflict between him and the federal government with respect to uh, the razor wire being used, installed at the border, and Supreme Court ruling, I guess, last week that the Biden administration did have the authority to cut the border wire to remove it. I mean, it's crazy, honestly, that we have. A, a state that's at odds with the federal government like this, it's, it's not good. It's scary. 
And, and again, I understand the governor. The governor is responsible for protecting his, um, his state. Guys, I'm watching. I don't know what's going on, Rhino. I'm watching Mark Zuckerberg sitting at the table, being grilled in the Senate. Something happened from the crowd, from the gallery. He just stood up. I'm watching the video right now. This just happened a few moments ago. He just stood up, turned around, faced, and addressed some observers, if you will, in the gallery, in the Senate, during this hearing. That is unprecedented. That's weird. I don't know what's going on exactly. Well, I'm sure we'll find out more. I just want to pass that on. Malcolm from Tishomingo says, when is someone just going to ask him or anyone at White House why they won't close the border? It's been asked, and that's what we were saying, Malcolm, is that uh, he got asked that yesterday, and he said, I don't have the power to do so. Uh, and by the way, the Republicans need to pass this bill and give me some money. Of course, they're, they're not intending to use those funds to secure the border. They're intending to use it to essentially provide further assistance to those crossing in illegal to be dispersed into the country. If they're saying, yo, yeah, the president doesn't intend to use that money to really shut down, close, secure, prevent entry whatsoever. And again, as we shared earlier, he's got statutory authority right now. But he chose the first day he was in office to reverse all the Trump era policies that you would have to say were quite effective in securing the border. He reversed them. Just incredible. Because he doesn't have any interest in securing and shutting down the border. That's the bottom line. Three years ago, they should have followed Barney Fife's advice. Nip it, nip it, nip it, says Jillian from Belzona. Kenny and Greenwood, what is the really going on right now at the border between Texas and the Border Patrol? Okay, so the Border Patrol has come out and said, and I'm, I may be some spokespeople for them, I may be, I may not have the word right, but I think they said that Biden's policies have been a disaster, that have been catastrophic for the border, and they actually support the governor's installing razor wire because their job's impossible. Let's be honest. They're there to protect and secure the border, not to babysit immigrants. But they, they're human. They have hearts. They have human compassion. And they see some of these folks coming over. Not all. That's where there's a problem. We also have, as you know, uh, young uh, young uh, Chinese immigrants coming over. By the way, photos and observers say with uh, like current uh, luggage that is in good shape. It's not like old, like pulled it out of a trash can, as you might think. I'm trying to get out of the country. I don't have any luggage. Somebody's buying them some dang new luggage is what it is and saying, hey, go to America and infiltrate their society and send us some information back to improve our position uh, relative to our most ardent foe, that being the United States. That's exactly what's happening. But there are some really sad circumstances. Children being trafficked, as an example. Just sick people coming across because the mass of humanity And the Border Patrol agents end up trying to take care of these people and treat these people. And that's 
not what they're supposed to be doing. They're supposed to be securing the border, but they can't because they need more hard physical assets to, to just limit the congestion and the number. It's overwhelming them. Coming right back. This is Jerry Lake. Okay, is everybody ready? I'm ready. Ready here. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. On Super Talk Mississippi. Back with you from the Element Wealth Studio. Dan in Hattiesburg says, We started early when the test patterns were still shown. I remember that too, Dan, on Saturday mornings. Then uh, came Rocky and Bullwinkle, Boris and Natasha, and the rest of the bunch. Yeah, underdog. Remember that one, Dan? Yeah, that was awesome. Moose yeah, and Squirrel. That's right. That was fun. And then there was HR Puffin stuff when we got really weird. That was trippy. Sid and Marty. Croft, I think. They, remember, one of them passed away not too long ago. We talked about that on the program. If you're thinking about heading over to the Super Bowl, by the way, that's going to be in Las Vegas this year, it looks like the average tariff for a ticket, $12,240 for a Super Bowl ticket. Wow. It is in Vegas, and it is thought that just the venue itself. It's an attractive place to go, I guess, to visit and enjoy the football game and the other activities there. And Pretty much anything you do in Vegas is going to be more expensive than anywhere else. No doubt. 12000 Man. Unbelievable. The most expensive uh, ticket right now on Tick Pick. Tick Pick, one of those ticket brokering sites. 41000 <laughs> That's got to be one of those package deals. Probably so. Where it comes with a a penthouse and a chauffeur to and from. Yeah. Because they were doing that for the Formula One race in Las Vegas, and it wasn't going for 40000 The prices started at like 100000 for those. That's pretty cool. I liked it. Mo says, I fully expect a third-party candidate on the ballot in November. Remember, Mo's, we already have uh, RFK Jr. running as an independent. He decided to transfer from the a Democrat, running as a Democrat. <laughs> but we have the third party. The no-name party, pardon me, is another one. We may see a candidate. What's up? On the ceasefire text line from the 662. I got my couch for like 200 bucks on Facebook Marketplace. Pretty comfortable for the game. <laughs> I love it. Oh, you mean you use one of those advertising sites that... <laughs> You can't do that. Oh, my gosh. So crazy. But I hear you, Mose. Um, I think RFK will siphon off some votes now that he has decided to run as an independent. I think that happened like in October when he made that announcement. But, yes, the uh, the no-name party is where everybody is is uh, watching to see if we get a, a candidate such as Senator Joe Manchin, who's surely talking like he's pretty serious about throwing his old hat in the ring. So everybody's not too happy with us today, though, Rhino. We still have the same person who was uh, 
rather irate yesterday, is taking exception to some of the things we've talked about today. Or is it a new naysayer? Oh, is this a new one? I don't know. I just noticed the phone number had the same area code, so perhaps I'm wrong in that respect. I apologize for that, if that's the case. But we don't have a name, so nobody knows who it is. This person says that um, walls don't work. Says, didn't Trump also go in and roll back everything Obama did just as fast? Yes, he did. Yeah, because those were terrible policies. That's right. Joe Biden didn't come in and reverse Trump era policies because he thought they were terrible. He did it because he just didn't want there to be any semblance of Donald Trump remaining in government. Well, it was he, a personal thing. He might have thought they were terrible, but now time has proven him wrong. Completely wrong. Completely wrong. So there were some things, no doubt, that were rolled back by Donald Trump that were in place under Barack Obama. And, I mean, there were a lot of things like uh, Trump claims that his response to COVID was somewhat impaired by, you remember he talking about that early on in the days of COVID, that essentially under Barack Obama, the resources and assets in that area had just been decimated for the most part. Um, and then, of course, there were also some terrible uh international policies as well, foreign affairs policies that he reversed. Yeah, there's no doubt. He said, uh, did Donald Trump, he would cancel every unconstitutional executive action memorandum and ordered uh, by the former president, the prior president, that being President Barack Obama. He did use them as well, not to the extent that either Barack Obama or uh, Joe Biden Uh, has done. So I don't know where you're going with on that. He he did work to try to reverse or at least amend the Affordable Care Act. He thought that was bad policy. Didn't, Didn't get as far as he wanted to on that. Did reverse the individual mandate, which would have required those without insurance, health insurance coverage, to pay a stiff penalty to the federal government. He was able to do that. Um, let's see, we had uh, the Paris Climate Accord, remember? He pulled us out of that. The, the Iran Agreement. Uh, what about the, the embassy in uh, Israel, right? We had a change there. That was fairly monumental. I, I can't help but recall that Barack Obama, upon first assuming the White House, was it uh, Winston Churchill's bus that he moved from where it was prominently displayed to somewhere else because there was some background there with Winston Churchill and Barack Obama's father in Africa? I don't remember all the details of the story, but it's crazy stuff like that. So I don't know what the point is, honestly. Okay, so this so, person never has a point. They just suffer from Trump derangement syndrome. So anything <laughs> Trump does is bad. Anything Biden does is good. I got you, because he is pointing out that, hey, the market hit a record. Wow. So what I don't get about that, I guess, is, and I point this out, I pointed this out last week and I'll do it again, that every time President Donald Trump would make some reference to the market and 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 just the, the market's performance in a positive way, 
the Democrats and the left will go crazy. He only cares about his rich friends. They're the only people that have any interest in the market. Now, all of a sudden, the market has a, a decent run, and it's all because of Joe Biden, and they're touting it. Am I wrong to think that's a bit hypocritical? Because that's exactly what's happening. You're seeing that. You're seeing it right now. So which is it? The market running positively is good for everybody or it's bad? Which is it? Because it's bad if it happens under Donald Trump, and it's good if it happens under Joe Biden. That's loony is what it is, honestly. And then uh, what else this person says? You've got uh, both CNN and Fox showing immigrants coming through the wall that we spent so much money on building, so please explain to me how it's working. Wait, people are actually going through the wall? Maybe I missed something there. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm asking, I'm posing this as a question. Are there video people, like, walking through brick-and-mortar steel girded walls? Is that true? I don't know. I mean, there are, there are places where the wall was not completed, and there are places where the wall has been vandalized and demolished in part. Okay. Like, for example, the video I showed you, it's a gap where somebody cut a bar off the wall so that there is an opening. Yeah, because you can actually see the metal studs, right, that separate yeah. the, the whoever it is in the cartel there that's escorting, delivering the illegals, and they're going through the metal studs. Now, it could be the metal studs were erected before they ever completed uh, the exterior surface, the finish, whatever that is. I don't know. But to suggest that it's not possible to build a physical wall that truly would keep humans, then why do we have them anywhere, if that's the case? If you're saying that, oh, no, walls don't work, because you know what the border agents say? Walls work across the board every time they get asked about it. problem is it hasn't been completed, because the Congress would not appropriate the money that the president asked for. And the estimates vary anywhere from $15 billion to $75 billion to extend the wall along the entire border. Right now, we only got a piece of it, the southwest border. But if they were really worried about the budget required for it, they wouldn't be selling the leftover materials for pennies on the dollar. That's true. Or, or spending money haphazardly, irresponsibly, without regard for how that's affecting the nation's finances, which they certainly don't go don't want to do but it was june 11th 2021 when the department of defense the department of homeland security talked about their plans for the border wall funds now the funds were were uh, immediately cut off when joe biden assumed office but then it was okay what do we do with this money it's been appropriated and so i actually looked it up the white house has has a, a a fact sheet is what they call it, where they discuss what DOD and Homeland Security are going to do with the money that was previously appropriated for a border wall. So the fact is, we don't have a complete border wall. We don't know if it works or not. But to suggest that hardened physical steel brick mortar borders, assets, fences aren't sufficient to keep humans from crossing through them ignores reality. Then why do we have them anywhere? Why do we have them on military installations around the White House? Because the left is filled with the willfully ignorant. That's just incredible. This person says people know the truth on the border and that Trump, the Trump wall hasn't stopped anything because it wasn't completed. 
Oh, my gosh. Trump derangement syndrome. And you want a man like Trump in office, you're... It's so awesome! Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Come on! Let's get on with the show! On Super Talk Mississippi. Pick me up, love! Pick me up, love! Every day! day. On the ceasefire text line, Dave in Monticello says, Speed Racer was one of my favorites. Yeah, you can still catch uh, that and all those other classic Saturday morning favorites on the Cartoon Network. I'll tune in every now and then. I like Johnny Quest. Is it Cartoon Network or Boomerang? Boomerang, thank you. Thank you. Boomerang. Going back. Boomerang. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. But it's I think it's right next to the Cartoon Network yeah. in, the, in the channel line up there. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Dave, I like that too, man. I like Space Ghost, by the way. What's a good one? Space Ghost. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, let's see. Is it his energy bands that he had to have? Seems like it, yeah. Because <laughs> every once in a while, some bad guy would take him off of him, and the, his little sidekicks, the, the the kids with the, the monkey, where they were in like, yeah. yellow and blue suits, had to go get the bands and bring them to him. <laughs> Kind of like Samson, right, with the hair. <laughs> when Texas has finally had enough and secedes, we will lose 40 electoral votes, which will essentially ensure that we will never have another Republican voted in as president. How long before other red states follow suit and secede? Uh, not going to happen. I hear you, but it's not going to happen. Mike uh, Tabor from Florence says, remember Captain Caveman? I don't, actually. Captain Caveman! Man. Okay, I don't. Man, I'm sorry about that. Hairy dude with a big nose and a, <laughs> and a it wasn't a loincloth. It was kind of more like a Fred Flintstone onesie thing. Okay, and he always carried a club, kind of a wrap on top of yeah. it, I guess. So was was this a Hanna Barbera? Oh yeah. Okay, same voice by the way. Did <laughs> all of them right? Guarantee you that's the same guy that did um, uh, Space Ghost. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What could be more educational than a good dose of foghorn leghorn on a Saturday morning, says Lindy from Gluckstadt. I agree. I say that. I say that. <laughs> That's awesome. Chicken hawk. Chicken hawk. That's right. Trump policies were just as bad, but hey, it's the man for you. I mean, what's up with this person? I don't get it. Trump derangement syndrome. I, they I hear the name Trump, and immediately they foam at the mouth and orange man bad. <laughs> if you're telling me that that uh, I'm wrong for opting for the former president, Donald Trump, over Joe Biden, and you feel the opposite, I've got concerns. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Reese and Clarksdale, if, if the walls are physically, or pardon me, if the immigrants are physically walking through solid walls, then we don't have the power to stop them anyway. That's a good point. But uh, Brian, alien technology. Brian from Tennessee says they use battery pack tools to cut the rebar out. I mean, so we can't make, we can't construct these walls out of materials that are impenetrable to that sort of stuff i mean come on we can't figure this out i mean mind boggling in theory you can but it's kind of like making a strong box or making a safe there there are harder stronger better steels but at a certain point it becomes cost prohibitive okay so but it does take time so couldn't you come up with uh with technology and human assets to augment that 
as well to put, patrol the border. I know it's long and it's difficult. I mean, that's kind of the whole point of a wall or fence is it? it's a barrier that is designed to at, at least slow, slow them down, down sure. so that Border Patrol, using other assets like cameras or drones, can get people to that area. Sure. With all the technology we have today, you know we could, we could literally have under constant surveillance using AI every inch of that wall right now. That technology exists today and detect. I mean, heck, I have... Because, I mean, that's, that's the nuance of a wall, which seems weird to say that we're having to get into nuance of a wall. But yeah. think back in history to medieval castles. With every single facet of that institution and that compound built to deter invasion... You got stone walls, five feet thick, 50 feet high. You can't go through that wall without a lot of explosives or a whole lot of manpower, but you can go over it. So So you could make an impenetrable 50-foot steel wall that no saw could cut and no torch could melt. You can still get over it with a tall enough ladder. Money. Right, it's right. of money, and just it's like buying insurance. How much insurance do you want to buy? But if you, how com- much do you want to slow them down? How many, okay. how much, how many resources do you have that would allow you to get to a point on the border if you've slowed them down this much with a wall and, or a and, fence and you or know, barbed wire? If you made it that difficult, that would serve as a deterrent too. Oh yeah, uh, you know, I mean, it's just logical. But if you augmented that, again, combine that with, with technology and human resources and assets, I, I, I mean, maybe it's not perfect, but it won't be 10000 a day. I mean, that's what we're having now. It's unreasonable. Heck, who was the Obama-era spokesperson that said it's a crisis when it hits 1000 a day? Well, we're way past that. Good grief. Well... It's timely because uh, we're going to take a break right here for Fox News and Super Talk News. And on the other side of that, we've got Congressman Michael Guest, represents Mississippi's 3rd District. He'll call in from Washington and give us an update. Stay with us. That keeps Mississippi talking. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Begin your transition now. Now on Super Talk Mississippi. Back everyone, it's hour three of middays. We are coming at you live from the Element Wealth Studio on this Hump Day. We welcome to the program now Congressman Michael Guest. He represents Mississippi's third district in the United States House of Representatives. Uh, good afternoon, there, Congressman. Thanks for calling in. Gerard, great to talk to you again today. 
Yes, sir. So we've been talking quite a bit this morning about uh, the situation at the border, which is totally out of control. I think recently described by ICE spokespeople as catastrophic. And uh, you guys, are. it looks like you're poised to take up articles of impeachment against uh, filed against the Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. He serves as the Secretary of Homeland Security. I think there are two articles, is that right, Congressman, that passed through the committee on, on party lines? And, and so tell us what happened next. Yeah, that's exactly right, Gerard. So uh, yesterday morning, 10 a.m., uh, Committee on Homeland Security, uh, committee on which I serve as vice chairman and uh, committee in which uh, Mike Ezell and Benny Thompson also serve, uh, took up articles of impeachment against Secretary Mayorkas. Uh, we had roughly a 15-hour hearing, began at 10 a.m., uh, ended uh, sometime after 1 o'clock a.m. Wow. Uh, on Wednesday morning. Uh, much of that hearing uh, dealt with amendments uh, offered by uh, members from the Democratic Party uh, that would have basically gutted the articles of impeachment. Uh, but the articles really were based uh, on, on, on two things. First is that Secretary Mayorkas has failed to uphold the law. Uh, particularly citing uh, more than half a dozen sections within the Immigration and Nationalization Act uh, that required the Secretary to both detain and remove immigrants. Uh, the second ground uh, was breach of public trust. Uh, and the breach of public trust, uh, much of that revolved around the fact that Secretary Mayorkas has repeatedly lied to Congress under oath uh, when he's told us that the border is secure, and that the Department of Homeland Security has operational control of the border. Uh, so those articles of impeachment passed out of the House on the early morning hours uh, today. Uh, we believe uh, that the Speaker will bring those articles to a floor vote uh, sometime next week, which will require a majority of the House, uh, 50% plus one, uh, to return the articles of impeachment, uh, and then those articles would be sent to the Senate. Okay. And then what would happen in the Senate? The threshold's higher there. Is it not Congressman to actually remove the secretary? That's right. For for a, a conviction on the articles uh, of impeachment uh, and removal from office would require a two-thirds vote uh, from all members of the United States Senate who are present uh, and voting. Okay. Uh, so right now there's a 51-49 uh the Democrat yeah. uh, majority. Uh, so uh, for the uh, impeachment to be successful and the Orcas to be removed, uh, there would have to be a large number of Democrats uh, voting to support those articles of impeachment, which uh, at this time, Gerard, uh, seems uh, highly unlikely. Yeah. Uh, but Republicans, particularly House Republicans, felt that this was uh, the last um, tool that we had available to us to hold Secretary Mayorkas accountable uh, and to try to restore uh, some sort of law and order uh, on the southwest border. He continues to be defiant, does he not, Congressman, in that he just advises Congress that, hey, the border's secure. He does. You know, uh, you know, he chooses which laws to enforce and which laws not to enforce, uh, even though uh, the, the factions are clear. Uh, they use the word shall, not the word may. Uh, he, uh, he has uh, created uh, masses uh, or created systems to release large number of immigrants into uh, the homeland. 
you know, if you look just at uh, and look at nationwide encounters, uh, nationwide encounters, Gerard, last month uh, in December of 2023, there were over 371,000 encounters in one month alone. Uh, and so under Secretary Mayorkas, you continue to see the numbers of encounters grow uh, generally month after month and particularly year after year. Uh, you see the flood of illegal drugs, fentanyl coming into the country. Uh, we know that the leading cause of death for individuals 18 to 45 is now drug overdose, much of that uh, related uh, to fentanyl. Uh, and then we see the financial crisis that this has caused. Many cities and states, not only border cities and border states, uh, but cities such as New York and Chicago, yeah. some of these sanctuary cities, uh, they're, ha- they're paying a steep financial price for Secretary Mayorkas's refusal to enforce the law. Hmm. Wow. And then uh, I'm sure you've been keeping up with this. The, the president, when questioned by reporters, about the border, he says he doesn't have any authority to secure it. But we've we've uh, since learned, of course, did a little research on that. He in fact does. He does have that authority. And the Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, has shared uh, those authorities with him in, in, on Twitter. You know, you're exactly. Right. He has the same authorities that President Trump had, and the, and the authorities President Trump used. Uh, we see this president chose to day one. Uh, dismantled the Remain in Mexico policy, which was probably the most successful policy we had in controlling the border search. Yeah. Uh, he stopped wall construction. Uh, he implemented a catch-and-release program. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, thing, the thing that I find interesting is, is last week uh, the president, uh, when questioned by a reporter, uh, and when asked, you know, does he believe that the U.S.-Mexico border is secure, uh, his answer was, no, no, it's not. I haven't believed that for the last 10 years, uh, and I've said that. And then he ended with this phrase. He said, give me the money. Yeah. Uh, this seems to me to be, uh, as we're looking at uh, at, at mm-hmm. least his motivation for securing the border, I think it's twofold. Uh, his motivation is he wants more money for the Department of Homeland Security, uh, and he's not wanting to give in policy changes. And so the additional funds would just allow him and the administration to process immigrants through quicker, uh, probably uh, continuing the cycle that we've seen. Uh, but we also know that this is becoming a political liability mm-hmm. for the president. It is an election year. Uh, he is getting beat up in polling. Some recent polling I saw today. Uh, in battleground states, uh, when asked who you trust more on immigration, Donald Trump or Joe Biden, uh, uh, President Trump had a 22-point advantage. And I think this president is seeing that. He's worried about his polling numbers. He's worried about his reelection, And that's the only reason he's paying any lip service to the board. Yeah. It seems like that. Well, because he's got folks in his party and in his base that are now starting to speak up uh, about the problems. And, of course, the the Democrat-run cities are being overrun as well with immigrants that are traveling to those cities. Of course, they they announced themselves as sanctuary cities. I mean, what do you expect? And now they're they're not saying, hey, close the border down. We talked about this earlier on the program. The Denver mayor, he's going to the federal government saying we need more money. He's not saying close the border down. Yeah, they had the same message that, that, that President Biden 
said when he said, give me the money. Uh, you have these <laughs> sanctuary cities, whether they be Denver, New York, oh, Chicago, my. they want the federal government to pay for these immigrants to be housed, these immigrants to receive, to be fed, to receive medical treatment. Uh, they want the education of these immigrants to be paid by uh, the federal government. Yeah. Uh, and, and you're exactly right. You, but you are starting to see, as you mentioned a second ago, that there are some Democrats uh, who are now willing to speak out uh, against the president. Yep. Uh, Mayor uh, Adams in New York City talks about how immigration is destroying New York. Vincente Gonzalez, uh, who is a representative who represents a portion of the southern border, uh, is continuing to talk about uh, the crisis in his communities. And so it is refreshing to see that there are at least a handful of Democrats who are now seeing this for what it really is, uh, and they're identifying the impact that it's having in their communities. Man, it's just unbelievable. I mean, it truly is. I mean, it, and the thing about this issue, Congressman, this isn't like some deep embedded text in a bill somewhere that's going to ultimately get passed and cause problems. This is something you see with your own eyes. I mean, so it's so visual. It has such a strong visual impact. When you see the images, when you see the reporters on the border, or even yourself and other members of Congress down there and in the background, and I believe that's the reason Joe Biden won't go, because he knows reporters are going to follow him, and they're going to capture exactly what we all see every day, uh, just as a, a matter of consuming news, that it's just porous is what's going to happen. You know, you're exactly right. You know, you, you turn on the news, particularly uh, Fox News, which does a great job of covering the border, and you see day after day, week after week, month after month, just the surge of immigrants coming across the border. Uh, but what we've also had the opportunity to do is, is hear testimony from people whose lives have been affected by what we've seen happen. Yeah. People whose loved ones have been killed by immigrants who are in the country legally or their children have died of drug overdoses. We got a break right here. Uh, have you got to go, or can you hang for another segment? Uh, I'm, I'm happy to hang on for okay. another segment. Okay, great. We'll get into some other stuff. Congressman Michael Guest is our guest on Midday. Stay with us. Talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Let's get on with it. On Super Talk Mississippi. everyone in the Element Well studio. We're visiting with Congressman Michael Guest in Washington. He's called in, joined us today. So, Congressman, this this immigration deal in the Senate that I believe has been spearheaded by Senator James Lankford of Oklahoma, I gotta tell you, it's pretty confusing. It's hard to follow exactly. And, and, and you know, it's been criticized a lot, uh, certainly by some of uh, your colleagues in the House that believe it's a bad deal. 
And I've seen the senator come out and say, and others as well, that um, it's just misinformation that we're not really appreciating what this bill really does. Have you taken a look at this and, and investigated it yourself? You know, the bill text has still not been released, Gerard. Okay. You're exactly right. There are a handful of senators, uh, roughly four to six senators, uh, who are writing the bill. Uh, the bill is being written in secret. Uh, they have not sought the input of the House. Okay. Uh, there's, uh, so there's no communication either with Speaker Johnson's office, uh, with Homeland Security, uh, Chairman Mark Green. Uh, and so we keep hearing day after day that they're close and that they expect to release bill text, uh, but we really don't know what's in it. Uh, some okay. of the things that have leaked out uh, are, have been reported on Fox News and, and uh, other news sites. Uh, whether those are accurate or not kind of remains to be seen. Uh, and so I'm taking the approach as, as, as I want to see the final product. I want to see what they put together. I want to see if they put together legislation uh, that will have a, a dramatic effect uh, and if there are true policy changes. Uh, if there's things such as a trigger that says yeah. that these policy changes can only take effect if there are 5,000 immigrants a day that come across the border, which is something, again, that has been reported and we're not, we're not for sure if it's in the bill. Uh, that that would be something uh, that that would cause me uh, to look very skeptical on the bill. And okay. so we're, we're waiting, we're seeing, uh, hope that we'll get bill text, uh, but we've been hearing that now for three weeks, that bill text is coming any day now, uh, and we've yet to see that bill text out of the Senate. Okay. Well, what I've heard the Senator, Senator Lankford, say is that, no, folks got this wrong. This is not a situation we're allowing – uh, immigrants to cross over, and then we shut the border down. That, that, that we're trying to set this five thousand a day threshold up, but rather the goal is zero. But just in reading, you know, various news reports that uh, break down what uh, is uh, apparently going to be incorporated in the legislation, that doesn't seem to be the case. It does seem to be that there are some triggers and so forth. It's confusing at a minimum, but I certainly understand how it's kind of hard to. To, to comment and analyze and form an opinion until you've seen the text. You know, that, that's exactly right. And I know that the Speaker has come out uh, in opposition to the bill. Uh, and again, okay. I, I believe that that is the information uh, that, that he is reading in the media. Uh, but uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, when that bill text is released uh, exactly uh, what language uh, they have uh, in, included there. Uh, and so I'm happy to come back on and talk about it okay. in more detail okay. uh, once we know what's in it. All right. Sounds good. Uh, right now, I guess the question we all have, we talked about it earlier, why can't we just shut the thing down? I mean, it's, it's the question on everybody's mind, and I know that's easier said than done, but uh, those of us who, who are concerned about uh, just the surge, which has been off the charts since Joe Biden's been in office, we just want to shut the thing down. You know, extremely frustrating uh, for for everyone, uh, particularly for for members of Congress. You know, we were elected to come, uh, and we were elected to pass policy and make sure and serve as a checks and balance on this administration. Yeah. Uh, but what we see is we've got a rogue cabinet secretary and Secretary Mayorkas. Yeah. Uh, he refuses to obey the law. Uh, we see that this administration is repeatedly taken into court. Uh, they're and told to do things such as to reinstitute the Remain in Mexico policy. They refuse to do so. Uh, and that's why you see that Republicans have taken the action in the House to try to impeach a cabinet secretary. Okay. Only the second time in history 
Mm. Uh, there's only been one other cabinet secretary uh, which articles of impeachment were brought against. Uh, and so we are trying to use everything that we can uh, to remove Secretary Mayorkas and to force the administration uh, to uh, enforce the law. Uh, but the, the best thing that we can do is going to be at the ballot box in November. Mm-hmm. We've got to make sure uh, that President Joe Biden is not reelected uh, and that President Trump is elected uh, and that he is able to then on day one reinstate the policies that he had in place that were very successful. And I, and I would say that under President Trump, we had probably one of the most secure borders uh, in the last several decades. Sure. Yeah, I mean, again, your your eyes tell you that. <laughs> they guide your decision there and your opinion there. You see what's happening now, and every day it's just thousands are coming across, and then you think about what you saw when President Trump was in office, and it just wasn't that way. So uh, your eyes don't deceive, and that's kind of where we are uh, right now. Let, let's pivot a bit to... Um, uh, to money <laughs> funding. Once again, we're operating the government uh, under a continuing uh, resolution, something that honestly uh, was responsible for the removal of former Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Here we go again, Congressman. It looks like it. Uh, these extend into late February, early March. Is there any work being done right now uh, consistent with regular order to pass the 12 spending bills, I guess we have, what, seven or eight remaining that haven't been passed, to put us back to uh, a, a normal way of, of funding government? You know, uh, what we have now is, is we have an agreement on, on the top-line figure uh, between uh, Speaker Johnson uh, uh, and um Schumer in the Senate. Uh, and we've also just late last week, uh, we've reached spending levels, top line spending levels on the individual spending bills. There's 12 individual bills. Those top line spending number on each bills are called the 302 allocations. And so we finally have those figures where we can begin uh, in conference where Republicans and Democrats, House and Senate, are, are writing these bills together. And so we are going to be able to begin the process uh, of marrying up the House and Senate versions on the different appropriations. You know, but one of the things in addition to that top-line figure that we're going to be having disagreements about uh, are policy riders. Uh, uh, policy riders are where uh, Republicans would seek to put in into a spending bill language that may say that the only flags that can fly over uh, a uh, veterans cemetery or veterans hospitals are, are military-related flags. Right. So we know that uh, last uh, fall we had uh, LGBTQ flags that were flying over a veterans cemetery. Very uh, several people uh, were angry about that, and so we included language in the House bill uh, that would prohibit those flags or Black Lives Matters or really any political yeah. flag from flying over a veterans cemetery sure. uh, because it's just inappropriate. But those are going to be the types of things that we're also going to be arguing about, uh, fighting about, because I think it's important for conservatives that we see conservative wins uh, and conservative policy riders included in these spending bills. Yeah, absolutely. So the other thing that uh, before we go is this bipartisan tax deal that um, is is being debated as well, which would restore some of the tax cuts and jobs acts, the Trump tax cuts. 
provisions that affect businesses, not the individual provisions. But in exchange for that, we're we're modifying the child tax credit, making it more generous. Do you have uh, have you looked into that and having a position on that yet? Uh, you know, uh, we we're, we're continuing to look at it. You know, at this point, uh, I'm leaning towards supporting uh, the measure. Okay. Uh, I think any time that we can cut taxes, uh, particularly that you talk about the business taxes uh, for research and development, uh, then being able to quickly uh, write off uh, those expenses, those are something that we, we routinely hear from our businesses sure. about. Uh, and I know that there'll be a lot of Mississippi families. Uh, who will be affected by the child tax credit. And yep. if that amount uh, is increased, uh, it will benefit the citizens of our of our state. Uh, you know, I ran for Congress to, to, to lower taxes, uh, and I'm having the opportunity or will have the opportunity to vote on a bill to do that probably uh, later this week. I okay. understand it's not a perfect bill, uh, but again, uh, in divided government, you have to take your wins when you can get them. Well, restoring... Those uh, tax uh, deduction and credit provisions, I think, is critical to continue to uh, grow our economy. And as you know, there's they're scheduled to be phased out even more under the original TCJA. So I think restoring those and making them permanent uh, certainly is a good deal and is a good move there. But as always, we appreciate you joining us uh, today, Congressman Michael Guest, and I'm sure we uh, will be talking to you soon. Stay safe, sir. Thanks, Gerard. We're coming right back, folks. Half an hour left in the Element Well studio. With Gerard Gibbett on Super Talk Mississippi. everyone. It is Midday Super Talk Mississippi. I wanted to follow up on the final question I asked the congressman about this bipartisan tax deal. It's $80 billion. And uh, there's there's dissension, shall we say, and, uh, and or division, maybe is a better way to put it, in the Republican Party in terms of those who support this measure and those who oppose it. And those who oppose it do so for different reasons. Now, those who oppose it because they're just, in general, don't want to increase the child tax credit, make it more generous, they, for the most part, are included in this so-called Freedom Caucus that you're aware of. They just, they, they don't want to, they're all for reinstating the Trump-era tax provisions that benefit businesses. 
and that's um, uh, some of the immediate expensing provisions that have been phased out. It would return that to 100%, and then the deductibility of um, an immediate expensing, actually, of, of research and development costs, and then interest expense. Now, those are the three major business-related provisions that would be restored. The child tax credit is an individual provision, and so it, it's it's kind of a, I guess, a quid pro quo, if you will. It's it's a compromise with the Democrats. Hey, if you'll vote to reinstate these Trump-era tax provisions that benefit businesses, we'll get on board with adjusting the child tax credit, which, by the way, was also adjusted in the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, um, upward, under the Trump-era tax cuts. So this, by the way, this modification to the child tax credit falls short of what the Democrats want, which is to restore the American Rescue Plan child tax credit, something we talked about a lot on the program right after it passed, which increased the credit, as you recall, Rhino, to $3,000, making it all refundable, meaning even if you don't have a tax liability, we're sending you a check, and a lot of folks got a lot of helicopter money from that. So this stops short of that. It increases it to 2000 and then indexes it. So it's it's not at the same level of the, the COVID relief as it was uh, based on in the American Rescue Plan. But get this. There are Republicans who oppose this measure, mainly from New York, and I think a couple, a couple from uh, some of the other northeastern states of California, because of the state and local tax, state and local tax deduction, which you recall was limited to ten thousand dollars in the Trump tax cuts. Well, in California, New York, and Connecticut, New Jersey, Maryland, some of the other Illinois deep blue states. That don't, that don't cover, that doesn't account for the total cost of their state and local taxes, mainly because of outrageously high property taxes. I know people in Mississippi gripe about the cost of property taxes. They ain't seen nothing till they've seen what it costs, what the property taxes are in New York or New Jersey and Connecticut, Delaware. It's insane. Costs more than the mortgage, honestly. So... They're mad because the Republicans who negotiated this deal didn't boost the SALT deduction, which stands presently at $10,000. And then others are mad because we're increasing the child tax credit. But I think this has a pretty strong chance of passing. What I don't like is I'm hearing, I think, on the Republican side, so it's a bipartisan sort of a bicameral negotiated deal. I think it's Jason Smith, the Republican congressman, I believe from Missouri, that's been running point on this, uh, working with Senator Wyden over in the Senate. And and he makes the statement that, hey, but this thing is $80 billion. It's paid for because we're going to end the employee retention credit, the COVID-era re- employee retention credit that you see all kinds of ads about, encouraging, attracting businesses to sign up and take advantage of. He wants to end that. Actually, they were trying to get this thing through last week and end it today, believe it or not. Uh, He says that's how we're going to pay for it. Well, that's kind of misleading because we're going to pay for it by cutting a program we should have never passed to start with that already has a termination on it. So that's that's a little 
You know what I'm saying, misleading. It, it was bad policy to start with. It, was, it truly was corporate welfare, mostly paid to people who really didn't need it. They were keeping those employees no matter what. That was the flaw in the design of almost all of those programs. So that's kind of, I just want to pass that on. That's where we are. Um, the problem with catch and release, says Ray in Long Beach program, is that no one involved gets any real enjoyment out of it, and the fish is the only one that eats it. <laughs> Malcolm from Tishomingo County says, ask him when we're going to strike Iran for the loss of the three American soldiers. That That's something that's going to have to come out of the White House. The president did say yesterday he does have a response plan, but that's all we got. There are no other that I've seen. No details released since then that uh, specify what response we may see. Um, I, I hope it's not one that projects weakness. we got enough of problems with that. Not, that's where I'll kind of leave that. Uh, by the way, with respect to this immigration deal, the Oklahoma Republican Party, they voted to censure Senator Lankford for his role in this legislation. Wow. His own state voted to censure him. That's incredible, or the party in his state. Ain't that something? Some other news I consider positive news I want to pass on. This just released today, actually late yesterday. IBM has instructed its managers, you come your butt to the office five days a week or quit. Bravo, IBM. Thank you. I'm with you. Now, Keep in mind, IBM is one of many companies that are always looking for talent. And they understand the risk here, but I think they're at the point where they're saying, your butt needs to be in the dang office. We can't really conduct business effectively, despite all these stupid studies that you know are paid for to produce the results they do. Yes, that does happen. And this is garbage. Get your butt into the office. I can't imagine how someone who is young to the organization, new, hasn't been there a while, you want to ascend the corporate ladder and be promoted? I just don't see how that could happen when you're at home. There's just no way. You're as effective. You can't convince me of it otherwise, and that's after 33 years of walking around and visiting with people all throughout the day who worked in our company just to see how it's going. Is there anything I can do to help? And sometimes it wasn't me that could help. I didn't have the skills. I'd say, well, gee, I know somebody else in the company that could. Let me help you con- connect you to them. Just that. Just to keep things moving, man. You know that's happening every day in all these other companies. And they're at home. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. So I applaud IBM. They say executives and managers are expected to be in person. Five days a week. There will be some exceptions for employees with medical issues or uh, military service. Wow. Unbelievable. So this is kind of complicating some of their plans to shed some of their real estate assets, but they're a big company. They know what they're doing. They'll figure it out. But I'm honestly, I'm glad to see it. So Thomas and Greenwood says we just need to quit all the illegal, I mean, all the welfare to the illegals, and that'll stop and stem the tide. I, I'm for that. I think it's ridiculous that we are supplying them with uh, all sorts of 
assistance. I agree with that. I'm not convinced that would necessarily deter the flow. I, I think they're just coming here no matter what, and I think somehow, some way, they'll figure out a way to to subsist and survive and function even without federal assistance. Heck, you got states already willing to go in the hole to do this, and I don't know that the federal government. I mean, maybe, maybe they could tie some federal funding to to um, the, the moves in those states to provide uh, welfare if you will, services, education services, health care services, shelter, all the above, to these people coming over. And I fully support legal immigration. But you're supposed to go through the ports of entry, right, to enter this country legally and be processed legally. For asylum, yes. Yes. And by the way, you can't get a work visa unless you've been processed for and cleared for asylum. So they're not able to work. We're sticking them in the dang hotels, and we can't really put them to work because they don't have work visas. Can't do that until you're processed. And they're telling them, what, six, seven, ten years before we're going to do that. It's just upside down. So you know what? you got to stop it, man, at the border. That's what's got to happen. And I just don't know that we're going to make a lot of progress on that as long as Joe Biden's in the White House. Simple as that. He could do it today. He has the power, the authority, by statute, today. But he refuses to do that and says he doesn't, which is all you need to know. Final segment of Midday is next. Hey, this is Bob, and if... It's so awesome! Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Come on, let's get on with the show! On Super Talk Mississippi. says you got a problem with the so-called freedom party it's the freedom caucus uh and i said did i say that he said you said so-called it's so-called because i don't think they have the franchise on freedom that's all that's why i say so-called there are a lot of other people that uh, including me and you larry that uh believe in and cherish and and respect the idea the concept the value the benefits of freedom they kind of hold themselves up as being the gold standard there, and, and I don't think they are the only ones. I'm not saying that they're not freedom-loving members of the House. It just seems like they value their camera time more than actual freedom. Agree. I will also tell you that, that, Larry, they oppose this bill. This is something that's important that I hope you're listening to. They oppose this bill on the basis of expansion of the child tax credit. Guess who else did that in a huge way? Donald Trump. In the 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, he dramatically increased the child tax credit. Not only that, not a dime of it was refundable, meaning even if you don't have a tax liability, you get you get uh, this money. That didn't exist until his Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, which I fully support, by the way, and applaud the president for. One of the best things, if not the best, in my view, he ever did. And I've many, many, many times on this program said this stuff's expiring in 25, and we need to get on the stick and uh, extend it because there's all hell's going to break loose if we don't from an economic perspective. So he not only increased the amount, the total amount, 
He instituted a $1,400 refundable feature and also reduced the amount one has to make to qualify for it. So these people essentially are opposing the same thing that Donald Trump did. Do they oppose his bill then? Are they anti-Donald Trump tax policy? That's where I am. So there's nuance is important here. Now, a lot of things that they stand for, I'm with them. I did say that I thought they, their removal, they were the ones really that instigated the removal of Speaker McCarthy. Regardless of what you think about him and being replaced by Mike Johnson, I felt from day one that Mike Johnson was going to face the same uphill battle with respect to funding the government, sure enough. Under Mike Johnson, we've had not one, two sets of continuing resolutions in his very short tenure as the Speaker of the House. That is the exact thing that the Freedom Caucus griped about and removed Kevin McCarthy for. Exact thing. You promised we wouldn't do that, Mr. Speaker. Well, the guy they put in there did it twice since he's been in office. Twice. We're no better off in that regard. No better off. And in fact, I would ask, Rhino, what has, and I'm not being critical of Speaker Johnson, but just contrasting him to Kevin McCarthy, what's better? Can you name a thing? Is the border better? No. Is funding the government better? No. Foreign affairs better? No. The debt going down? No. Deficit going down? No. All the things, right? Is crime? Has that been reduced? What am I missing here? What else is important to people? Nothing. What do we do? We just, just a different person <laughs> at, the, at the top of the chamber with a gavel. All the policies are the same. Nothing's changed. Well, the difference is without the change in Speaker Gates and company wouldn't have had as much camera time. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's true. Um, I, by, by the way, I, I said we get to it uh, today, uh, but uh, Corey Bush, the representative, from uh, the Democrat representative, member of the squad from St. Louis. Well, she's now under Justice Department investigation. Misuse of funds for her own security. Now, she's the one that that pronounced her support, as you recall, for defunding the police and reimagining police. I mean, she demanded it. Yet she's using this money for her own personal security. And she makes some crazy comment. Well, you know, I'm, I'm a person here, and I'm, I need to be here. And some garbage like that. But like the rest of us are people that need to be here, Congresswoman. And guess who she's paying this to? Her her lover, right? Or her, her husband. Her, husband, her yeah. husband, okay. And when he was asked if he was on the payroll, I don't know anything about that. Unbelievable. I mean, it's just massive amount of uh, hypocrisy. It's no different than the race lady over there, Joy Reid. I don't know if you guys heard about this, but a hot mic caught her commenting on uh, Joe Biden when he was asked about um, asking about uh, Ukraine funding and how he needed more money to help Ukraine. And, and she made the comment that... Uh, Oh, yeah, just get us in another effing war, is what she said. And a hot mic caught it. So that tells me you're a phony. You're one thing on the camera and another when you're off. Is that not what that uh, signals? She's a miserable, sad sack in both situations. Exactly. But yeah. <laughs> exactly right. 
Well, we're out of here today. Now, we got, uh, I think, Dave Hughes coming in to fill in for me tomorrow. I'll be speaking to the Madison Ridgeland Rotary in my neck of the woods here. Back with you on a Friday. Until then, stay safe and God bless everyone. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.